You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. When it comes to the, the challenges that youth face today, is there support for them? Today we have a great resource to share with you, a wonderful organization that serves as a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're talking about Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. Joining us today, the Reverend Rick Jones. He serves as Vice President for Spiritual Life. Chaplain Jones, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Absolutely. Delighted to be here. And not a new voice to KFUO. You're a guest pretty regularly on some of our other programs here in Stay in God's Word, and we appreciate your time serving us in that way. We know you have a, a lot of people to care for who are in your care at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch, so we appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us here in the Coffee Hour and studying God's Word on our other programs as well. Help us understand the need for Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch today. What is the reality that some youth, youth face today when it comes to trauma and mental health or mental illness? Sure. So Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch actually started as uh, an organization that sort of helped more of the wayward type youth, those that were making maybe poor life choices with their actions and, you know, be very behavioral based, right? How, how do we how do we help straighten these kids out and give them the, those sorts of programs and structures and role models? And it has since developed into very much a residential program for those that have been victims of abuse or neglect, maybe dealing with mental health issues, as you said, there's just a, a whole host of things that can happen to children in their early ages that can have a profound impact on even the way their brain develops. Too much time spent in that constant adrenaline state, you know, the, the fight, flight, or freeze when we are very young uh, impacts the chemicals that are released into our body and that changes the way our, our brains develop. And so we're seeing with many children, they, they have, maybe it's not just one event, maybe it's it's many smaller events that add up over their development time, or it is just one really significant traumatic experience when they are young has now um, impacted their ability to cope with stressful situations. So you, you, you spend too much time getting the wrong chemicals released into your brain, and now your whole world is over as soon as you know you're you're late for an event that you want to be to, or you, you, your your favorite shirt just got ripped, and you were going to wear that today. Instead of having a healthy coping skill to be able to deal with these stressful situations, are these children have developed in such a way that it's the end of the world, everything's on fire, and they respond in that sort of fashion. So it might be a violent outburst, it might be verbal aggression, it might be self-harm, they, they don't know, it might be running away. They, they have these heightened reactions to the stimuluses around them that may not necessitate that type of reaction. And so it's, it's facing many children out there, uh, whether it is a household that had abuse, neglect, was dealing with significant poverty for an extended period of time, maybe there was substance abuse in the home, or just a very unstable uh, home life. Those are all pieces of, of this puzzle of trauma. Uh, and now in recent years, we have youth developing that came out of the pandemic. And that was a huge traumatic experience for our whole world, really, but socially in our country, taking kids out of school, taking them out of that social regular social situation and enforcing them into these new ways of doing things when there's complete uncertainty, no one knows what's going on, and, and there's all this confusion. It, it has led to increased numbers of kids dealing with anxiety, depression, all sorts of social disorders. Things like this are, are at unprecedented rates. And so 
those are the types of things that we we help children through and parents as well. It's not always, you know, the, the parents' fault, so to speak. It's not always because home is bad. It's just mom and dad are ill-equipped where whoever the guardian is ill-equipped to meet the needs of their children. And so we have programs to help them figure out how to provide an environment that is stable and nurturing for their child, as well as help those children find a baseline for coping with the difficulties of their life through therapy and our residential programs and our occupational therapy and our education system. Yeah, talk to us more about the programming that you're able to provide. You just you just mentioned a few different things. Tell us more about each of those different areas that you're able to provide for kids and their parents. Sure. So our, our, our main sort of avenue of care, which is our where we started is residential treatment. So we have two levels of care for our residential programs. We have what is called PRTF or Psychiatric Residential Treatment facility, the SRs. So kids that have a significant diagnosis, there's there's probably more behavioral issues, but those are stemming from a, a mental health crisis or a mental health struggle or, or some sort of developmental issue that they're facing. So it's a psychiatric problem or a struggle that they're facing. And, and we provide residential treatments 24-7, 365 days a year programming. So they, they live with us during their time here and they've got a roof over their heads. They've got a warm bed. They get, you know, three warm meals a day, snacks and all that kind of stuff. And all of their physical needs are provided for, but we also are able to provide them with psychiatric care. So counseling, a therapist, often that's family therapy included with that. We have a psychiatrist and psychologist on staff. We have nursing, so we get all those clinical needs met as well. Uh, and then we have our own school system, our, our own school district across our three campuses. And so most of our kids, especially in the PRTF programs, will attend school at Dakota Memorial School. And that those programs are Bismarck, Minot, and Fargo. And then the other level of residential care is called QRTP, or Qualified Treatment qualified residential treatment program. This is sort of like group foster care level of, of providing for the, the youth. So there there might be some mental health issues that they're facing. There likely is, but it won't be as significantly identified or won't be having as big of an impact on them as the as the psychiatric level of care. It's a little less secure, a little less clinical, but still youth that are struggling and, and need some help. And so again, 24-7, 365 days a year, they, they live with us, and we've got programs that are group therapy, family therapy, occupational therapy, if they have that need. Again, the residential program provides for education, uh, but some of our kids are able to go to school in the surrounding community as well. And then we have kids that come in just for school, so that's kind of another one. So two levels of residential treatment, and then, yes, our education program, which is Dakota Memorial School. So students that aren't having their educational needs met by their public school system, uh, we are able to, to help bring them in and provide the same requirements for a fully accredited diploma. And actually, we have some elementary age uh, students as well, uh, but it's fully accredited all the way up to graduated from high school. And they're able to get the same strict requirements, but we're able to offer the education in such a way that caters to their individual learning needs and also gives them access to maybe occupational therapy throughout the day or maybe some time for therapy. They also have sensory needs that they're able to, to meet. So we've got some sensory rooms in our school. You know, you just need five minutes to with no stimulation, right? You put on the noise canceling headphones and just sit there 
and allow all that extra stimulation to sort of melt away. Or maybe it's as simple as you need access to a different type of desk. You need a pedal desk or you need a swivel chair or my favorite, the wobble stool. You can get rid of that excess energy, that excess stimulation. And so you're able to focus in on the learning. We're able to do that in our education program. And all of it is provided through the lens of trauma-informed care and trauma-sensitive education. The final sort of big service area that we provide is outpatient services. Dakota Family Services is our outpatient clinic. We have physical locations in Minot and Fargo. Uh, We've been exploring the possibilities of telehealth with some of this as well. And so you don't have to be in those communities to get the benefit of them. But yeah, so this is outpatient mental health services, uh, full uh, clinics with psychiatrists and therapists and counselors uh, for children and their families. So it's adults too. And we'll see anybody that is able that we're able to. And uh, yeah, like I said, that's available on an outpatient basis. And many of our residents, after they've completed their time here in the current length of stay is about three months. When they're done with their time in their program here, oftentimes they'll continue with the outpatient services. So we have a, a, a nice sort of continuum of care, even as they transition through the next stages of their life. In talking about residential care, you mentioned a couple of different types of therapies, one of those being occupational therapy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means, especially when it comes to children or youth? What does occupational therapy look like for them? Sure. Oftentimes when we hear that word occupational, we're thinking, oh, we're helping them get job training and things like that. No, that's that's not what we're talking about here. This is the sensory training or sensory therapy or the way your body moves and functions. That's what we're talking about when we talk about occupational in that sense. And so kids that youth that have, you know, developed a little bit differently with the way they intake the stimulus and the information around them, uh, they might not have all the same motor functioning or the the hand-eye coordination or the fine motor skills that other other children are, would have or would be expected to have at their ages. And so things like weighted blankets, you know, if your body just needs a little bit of pressure, a little bit of that compression, weighted blankets, or being able to even help identify your, your emotions, you know, zones of regulation. Are you feeling, where are you feeling? Are you feeling yellow? Are you feeling red? Are you feeling blue? Are you feeling green? Helping them identify their feelings and the way that their body is behaving and be able to express that verbally and communicate it and then find the appropriate responses that they can have access to. A lot of it is maybe touch sensations or even lights and auditory sensations. You'll see things like swings or, again, I mentioned the way to blankets, but there might be lights, different colored lights or changing light colors and patterns and things in our occupational therapy gyms. They'll also train them in in the basic life skills too, because again, they might not have these fine motor skills or these, these things that we consider habit or things they should have picked up naturally, they have never had that. And so we can teach them even how to, what are, what's the proper way to use a fork and spoon? What's the proper way to, to eat a meal and to conduct ourselves and teaching them those sorts of things? How do you make a bet? How, how do you practice proper hygiene? All these sorts of things are things that are done in the occupational therapy. Great insights. And we have more to learn about Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch with Chaplain Rick Jones in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's 
uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with the Reverend Rick Jones. He's Vice President for Spiritual Life at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And we're learning about the care that they provide for children and youth and families in, in a time of, of great need for the, for the youth, for their families as well. We've been talking about the different types of therapy that are available in the residential program. You also mentioned some, some outpatient programs as well. These are all, I think, really helpful programs that Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch offer. I'm sure there are other organizations that offer similar programs, similar treatment or therapies and care. How is Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch different from other facilities like this? That's a wonderful question. I I actually asked some of my colleagues how they would answer that question. So I'd have some answers. And overwhelmingly, there there was sort of two answers that came to the forefront. One of those is our unwillingness to maintain the status quo. We will not be content with, oh, we're doing good enough. We will always be seeking how to be better. How do we meet the needs quicker? How do we meet the needs more effectively? How do we reach more people with our services? How can we better use our resources to impact those that we're already serving? We are not content with the status quo. We are continuously learning, continuously bettering ourselves. That's a big piece of it, uh, and I agree completely. One of our cultural sort of values here at the ranch is learning. We are dedicated to purpose-carrying and learning, and learning is very much built into everything we do. And so that's a part of us carrying on and continuing to do better for those that we serve. So that's one, one big piece. The other is our faith. We are not just an RSO, not just a recognized service organization, not just you know a place that started with Christian roots, and in this case, Lutheran roots. No, it's a very big and central part of who we are. Our mission is to help at-risk children and their families succeed in the name of Christ, and we do not compromise them. We put it into our logo as well. There's a cross right in the eye line of the children we serve. So I I like to tell the really bad dad joke that uh, we promote cross-eyed vision at the ranch. (laughs) We want all of our kids to see the selfless sacrificial care that we're providing. Obviously, we want their eyes to focus properly. So that's, yes, cross-eyed vision at the ranch. And that's a big aspect of who we are. Many organizations, regardless of what area of the social sector they're in, they're kind of shying away from their their faith roots or their their Christian heritage. And we're not. We're, We're wearing it right out there for everybody to see. It's an important part of the services that we provide. We are not just physical beings. We are not just intellectual beings. We have a spiritual side. And we studies have shown over and over again that those that have an active part in their spiritual life enjoy many benefits in life as well. Longer life, uh, better resiliency, so able to bounce back more quickly and more strongly from adverse situations in their lives. All sorts of physical events and you advantages, and you have a built-in community because if you have an active spiritual life, you're usually part of a faith group. And so your congregation or your Bible study or your prayer group, whoever you're connected to, regardless of that, you you have 
that community of supports built into it. And so we want to help cultivate those resources for our kids. And it's a big part of it. We pray before meetings. We, we, we are able to bring our message to congregations out there and connect with other people that want to, to help support these services for those in need out of their sense of Christian love and service. And it, it becomes the forefront of some of our service areas too. I'm the, the vice president of spiritual life. That means I oversee our, our spiritual life programming at all three campuses. We make it a part of the program that the kids engage in. They, they, they're introduced to that selfless, sacrificial love of Christ. They're given Bibles. They're, they're given the opportunity to, to know how to pray and learn how to pray. We're praying for our kids. We're visiting with them and giving them that sort of support and care. And, you know, the gospel is something that doesn't work with force. And so we're not forcing those kids from other backgrounds to, to go to the religious, the, the, the Christian's spiritual life program. And we have what we call life development. So we're still teaching them ethical living, living moral decision-making, and, and helping them have those avenues in their life without doing it in a way that is using it as maybe punishment or or something like that. Uh, because some of our kids, it was used that way in their backgrounds. That's a part of their trauma history. And so with patience, grace, and kindness, we're still able to show them that love. And when they are ready to receive it, we are there to present Christ in, in that lasting hope, that lasting healing that only he can bring. Hey, you've mentioned several facets of this, but what does that look like? What does it mean to care for the whole person in a situation like this rather than just treating a mental health issue or just approaching this from a spiritual side? What does that mean to actually approach this from a whole person perspective? Right. So we have professionals in all areas of care, the physical care, the, the so or. Yeah, this the physical care, whether that's buildings and grounds or the the nurses, that side of the clinical things, or the the therapists with the the mental health sort of perspective, and then the spiritual life representatives and the educational representatives. We all come together for treatment meetings every week and are looking at the big picture needs of those that we serve. And so we try to get everybody on the same page for everything that we're doing. That's a big piece of it. Uh, And the services are all coordinated. We're helping one another out with our different groups. We're there to support one another and be a part of those things. So they see how these things all come together in their life. Um, And just, again, providing best-in-class care in all of those areas of their lives. Yes, we're taking care of your physical needs. We're also taking care of your emotional needs, your educational needs, and your spiritual needs. So helping them see how all of these places in their life need that care, need that nurture, and helping show them how to do that even on an ongoing basis. So, uh, And then sometimes, so what if they're having a a particularly bad day? What if they're in a moment of crisis? All of our staff there, again, we're we're present for them even in that. It doesn't matter what area of the ranch you're involved with. You're there to support them. We don't just aren't content to let them hurt themselves. We'll go in and be there for them. We'll, We'll show them that we are not going to leave them alone, abandon them into their, their, their struggle. We're going to go through that with them. And that's all of us. We're all there, no matter what's going on for these kids. What does that mean for you? What does a, a typical day look like for Chaplain Jones? Sure. Well, every day is a little <laughs> bit different, obviously, to the nature of things. But, you know, I might, I might have a, a group where I'm doing a spiritual life group where we're, we're learning about prayer and maybe we'll we'll talk about the lord's prayer but then at the end of it you know 
Jesus says those things about if we don't forgive or if we don't forgive, neither will the Father forgive us. And I get to talk about what forgiveness actually means for us, lifting that burden or leaving that weight that somebody else has put on you so you can move forward in your progress. And then in one of their other groups, they might be looking at, so in their, their group therapy for for their cottage, they might be looking at forgiveness and reconciliation. And so they're taking it from one group to the next, and then we're able to be there. And if that forgiveness piece, I one time had a a resident get really upset with me because they had been through a very significant trauma. They were the victims of, 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 of rape. Let's just be honest and open about it. They were a victim of rape and they're like, I need to forgive them. I need to forgive him for doing that. And I realized I didn't understand truly all the aspects of forgiveness. And so you can't back away in a situation like that. You can't let them know that there's no help for them there. But I was honest, you know, that's really a great point. I need to do some more digging and learning. And now we've been able to incorporate those lessons into that, to that it's not necessarily about the reconciliation. Hopefully, ideally, we're in a situation where we can go to that and get there. But in the situa- certain situations, that's not appropriate. It's not available. And so how do we deal with forgiveness in those situations? And what does forgiveness look like for them? Always it comes through the grace and mercy of the Father and bringing that into our lives and, and helping us realize that. So relieving, releasing that burden so we can move forward. And so we, we help them there even when situations are tense, even when it is a critical event in someone's life. Maybe they just got some really bad news, like, um, you know, ter- parental rights were terminated and there's going to be some violent outlashing uh, from this. Again, I'm right there with them. We there to pray with them, there to, to show them support, that there are people that care for them no matter what's going on in other areas of their life. And so we can be there while things are being screamed and things are being thrown and there's things like that. I might be right there helping staff out, supporting staff as they help this child and, and right there with the child to show them that it's okay. We're still going to be here with you even even as you go through these difficulties. And then because I'm at the executive leadership level, there might be a meeting where all the vice presidents are sitting around and we're talking about, okay, how do we make sure we have the resources we need to meet payroll next week? How do we make sure we have this program ongoing for the for the foreseeable future? How do we continue to, to find the right people and bring them into the ministry of the ranch so they can be a part of this incredible legacy that we are part of. And so, yeah, I get a little bit of everything. Maybe it's talking to some donors. Maybe it's doing some pulpit supply um, and talking about the ranch. All these things come into my regular week. And then I get to do chapel services on Thursday afternoons in Minot, which is a beautiful thing too. Do you have any other stories, more stories of impact of the work that the ranch has done, the difference that the ranch has made in in the lives of these youth and and maybe even families? Sure. So, um, We'll do one real quick one here. So just to show the impact of what trauma-informed care and that um, helping understand the why maybe and not just the look what you did but what happened to you sort of aspect. Mm-hmm. So you'll, we had a kid who uh, he came, he was a referral through the, the social, the juvenile court system, and he was sent to the ranch because he had stolen a car and driven across state lines. It's a really bad thing to do, uh, but the judge knew enough to go, something's not adding up quite right here. So he looks at the background and realizes, okay, this young man did steal a car and he did drive across state lines, but where did he drive to? He drove 15 miles away to his grandmother's house, just happened to be in the next state over. Mm-hmm. And why, why did he steal the car? Okay, well, his dad had come home drunk again. And the last time that had happened, 
he ended up in the ICU. He's trying to avoid a bad situation. So he, he steals the car and goes to a safe place because he doesn't know what else to do. The judge thankfully sees that and says, okay, this child does not need juvenile detention. This child needs a, a program that's going to be provide a safe space, a learning space, so he can get through these struggles in his life. And he came to the ranch. We're able to help him see. He already knew that stealing is bad, right? He knew that Grand Theft Auto is not something you want to be doing. We helped him find other outlets. We helped him find structure to his life that can avoid those those abusive and negative situations and new ways of coping with it in the, in the midst of it. And we are able to eventually reconcile him and his family through family therapy. And so the whole home became a safer environment in which to provide the care and the nurturing that a child needs going on in their lives. And it was a wonderful growing opportunity for the family, but it was only through the individual therapy that the, the child was doing in, in with his therapist, the family therapy that was bringing the whole family onto the same page for what the needs of the child were and what is a good and healthy environment. And then through the education program, helping, helping him keep his grades where they needed to be for when he went back home. And then we got to do some things with reconciliation and, and, and forgiveness in, in our spiritual life programming. And so all those different avenues of care came together because someone was willing to ask why for, for the behaviors. And all of that is in, in that trauma-informed care, which is, again, our, underneath everything we do at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. You do a lot of great work there. What does it take to make all of this happen <laughs> to provide the care for so many children, youth, and families? Thank you. That's a great question as well. Something we get sometimes is, you know, what, what's one word you can use to describe the work of Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch? And I usually pick the word mercy. It is care that, again, reserves that judgment, tries to figure out the why of the situation, and then applies love in all of it. And mercy does that, right? It, it holds off the, the judgment so you can address the right needs in the right way. And it does so all motivated through that selfless love of Christ. So mercy is what it takes. Uh, you can put that in compassion when it comes to the interpersonal parts of it, being able to be there and watch people go through those hard times um, and be supportive as they do so. That's a part of the mercy and that compassion and being able to understand that and know that our energy and our focus and our purpose all comes from something much higher than ourselves. It comes from an all-loving all-powerful God. And when that is our motivation, we're able to bring that mercy into everything we do. And so I, I believe that is what it takes to, to thrive, why the ranch has been around so long. It's our purpose. It's our mission. We do all of this in the name of Christ. Without that, there's there's no reason to be doing any of this. And so, yeah, that that's what it takes, that unconditional love of the Father focused through our efforts. How can we learn more about the, the work of Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch and how to support this ranch. Yeah, so www.dakotaranch.org is our website. You can get to any of our service areas and any of the things we're involved with there. Lots of information, lots of opportunities there. If you're in the Minot, Minot Bismarck, or Fargo area, you can always visit our campuses or we have a series of thrift stores throughout uh, North Dakota. And then there's one in Dilworth, Minnesota that are social enterprise basically that fund our programs. So if you're ever donating to or shopping at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch thrift stores, you're directly funding and helping our programs. We also sell a bunch of things online. We have an Etsy store, I believe, and uh, 
Poshmark and uh, we do things on eBay and Amazon that all goes through those thrift stores as well. And yeah, but those are the main things. We also host servant teams. If you ever want to come and engage with, with those sorts of things and, and get that part of your, your sort of Christian formational experience, you can come out to the Cobody's Girls Ranch, any of our campuses, and you can help us that way and get involved and meet some of our kids and meet our staff and, and see how things are done. And then the main thing you can do is pray for us. Pray for our kids, pray for our staff, pray for our mission. This isn't something we can do by ourselves. We need the support and kindness of everybody out there. So please pray for what we're doing, pray for our work. And yeah, obviously, anytime people want to donate or support us in that way, we are just humbled and glorified by that. Uh, you you do us a great service when, when you're doing that. And that can all be found on dakotaranch.org as well. Our guest today, the Reverend Rick Jones, Vice President for Spiritual Life for Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. Thank you so much for spending some time with us on The Coffee Hour. Absolutely. Again, it's just an honor to be here. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere.